Well, it's great to have you all here on this Christmas Eve night. Uh, I have not been over here to preach at Anderson in a little while, so in case you don't know me, my name is Blake Jennings. I'm the teaching pastor for our Southwood campus. It's great to have you with us this Christmas Eve night. Uh, when I was a child, I could never sleep on this night. I could never sleep on Christmas Eve because I was just too excited. I knew that in a few hours I would finally get to unwrap the presents that had been sitting under the tree for weeks. I knew that I would finally get all these things that I had dreamed about, that I had desired so badly. I was just overwhelmed with anticipation. I couldn't sleep. Now I'm grown up. I'm an older man and I can sleep just fine on Christmas Eve night. Because I know that no matter how good Christmas is, it is not going to fulfill all of my hopes and dreams. 35 Christmases have taught me that. In fact, Christmas isn't going to do much of anything for my grown-up desires. I want my kids to get along. Christmas isn't going to do jack about that. Uh, (laughs) I want my back to quit hurting. Again, Christmas can't do anything for that. I want to eat well, exercise more, and worry less. Christmas is actually counterproductive for all of those things. (laughs) We have such great hopes and desires and dreams for Christmas. We, we have such great expectations for it. We want it to be this magical time of peace and joy and harmony for all. And yet so often Christmas is full of stress and disappointment. Noise for some, loneliness for others. Painful memories of loved ones lost. Frenetic activity and credit card spending. Christmas so often fails to live up to our expectations. And really that shouldn't surprise us. Because so did that first Christmas. That first Christmas fell short of expectations for Mary. I want us to think about Christmas, that first Christmas, through the eyes of Mary tonight. Think about Mary. first Christmas arrives, she is pregnant with her first child. And like any young woman uh, expecting her first child, she has lots of dreams, lots of desires. She can't wait to bring that child into the world with her family and her friends at her side. She, she looks forward to laying that child down in the nursery that's been painted and prepared. She's gathered clothing and toys and everything for this child. She has great expectations and hopes. And yet, when we look at the details of that first Christmas night, we realize that that first Christmas fell short of expectations for Mary did not live up to her hopes. I want you to look at the the details of the account that actually Dusty was talking about a moment ago. Let's look at, at the details of the account of that first night, that first Christmas. Luke chapter two. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, it's easy for us to read this nativity story through Norman Rockwell eyes, to look at it as if it was beautiful and tranquil and idyllic, but it was not. I want you to notice the details here. First, I want you to notice when Mary gave birth to her son, Jesus... She was far away from home because of this census ordered by the Roman government at the worst possible time for Mary. She had to travel with Joseph from the the north of the country, Galilee. She had to leave her home and travel to the south of the country, Bethlehem, Joseph's ancestral home. And as they traveled from one end of the country to the other, her family couldn't come with her. Her friends couldn't come with her because they had to register in their ancestral homes. And so as Mary gives birth to Jesus, she is alone. 
Her mom's not there. Dad's not there. Grandparents, not there. Friends, family, not there. She and Joseph are utterly alone. Second, notice that as Mary gave birth to Jesus, she did so in a livestock pen. In a livestock pen. It tells us that there was no room for the, in the inn, so she gave birth and laid Jesus in a manger. And we hear the word manger, and we think about those really pretty Christmas decorations we put up in our house. Well, that, that's not where Jesus was born. Uh, manger in Greek, it means feeding trough. It looked like this. It was where you fed your animals. It was placed in a cave or under the shelter of a rock outcropping. And it would be covered with dirt and mud and, and wet and dank hay. And it would smell, it would stink. The ground would be covered with manure that would attract insects, flies, and all kinds of other things. Well, that's where Mary gave birth to Jesus. It's interesting, this last week I had surgery on my eye, a little surgery, I have a number of them that I have to have. Uh, I had surgery, a small little procedure, and yet it was incredibly sterile. Everything they hooked up to me, the tubes and the patches were brand new. They opened the bag, they put them on me. When I'm done, they throw them away. And, and the room's been bleached, everyone's wearing a mask. Everything was perfectly sterile for this little procedure I had. But not for Mary's. Not for Mary's procedure. She gave birth to Jesus lying in mud, hay, and manure. Third thing to notice about this birth account, when Mary gave birth to Jesus, she had no help, no help at all. There were doctors in the ancient world, Luke was one, and yet Mary had no doctor. Uh, Midwives were actually there to, to help give birth most of the time, and yet according to the account, there was no midwife there. Uh, Mary didn't have anybody, not a nurse, not an experienced friend, no one to guide her through the, the terrifying ordeal of your first labor and delivery. And then when Jesus came along, there was still no one to help. There's no parent there, no grandparent, no friend, no, no relative that has experience, no one to hand this baby to, no one to help Mary and Joseph, no one at all. And you just imagine as, as Mary gives birth to this baby, we often remember that, of course, this baby is Jesus, but, but we got to realize he, he's still a baby, he's still a newborn. He's still screaming, he's still crying, he's still demanding food, he's still pooping everywhere, he's still a newborn. It was an incredibly stressful environment and Mary had no help. It's always funny to me that on Christmas Eve we always sing Silent Night. I, I love that song, we're going to sing it here in a few minutes. It is the Christmas Eve song and yet we all need to remember it was not a silent night. Jesus was a newborn. Those of you who've had babies, you know there's nothing silent about them. We're hearing them right now. It's wonderful. It was not a silent night. For Mary, that first Christmas fell way short of expectations. It was not what she expected as she gives birth to her first child. It was stressful, noisy, painful, and lonely for Mary. And yet in the midst of that pain and stress and loneliness, Mary had hope. She had hope because she knew that this child that she just gave birth to was no ordinary child. As we think about the, the birth account of Jesus, uh, I always think about Star Wars. I don't know if you guys are, are Star Wars fans, if any of you like Star Wars. Um, yes, some of you are. I, I like the older episodes, but the new episodes, my favorite thing about them was actually the publicity poster that they put out before the first new episode. This really compelling image. In one image, you see that this little child, this boy who looks so ordinary, so normal, is anything but. You see in his shadow what he is going to become, one of the most powerful men in the galaxy. Well, that's how you are meant to read Luke 2. This little child who looks normal, ordinary, weak, dependent, needy, is no ordinary child. He will become the child of promise, the child promised by God. And one of the most famous passages in all of the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9. 
God prophesied, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This little baby, this little child is no ordinary child. He is eternal father, almighty God, prince of peace. He will be king of kings who will usher into the world an unending kingdom of perfect peace and righteousness. He will make all things right. And he's already begun to do that. He's already taken the first step towards making all things right because that little baby grew into a sinless man who out of love for us willingly went to the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. He took our sins, our transgressions upon himself and paid the price for our sin. And then he rose from the dead. God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, conquering sin and death and Satan on our behalf. And now on the basis of the death and resurrection of Jesus, God the Father right now, this very night, offers every person on this planet the greatest gift of all, eternal life. That means forgiveness of your sins in a relationship with God now and forever. It's a free gift and all you have to do to receive it is simply believe. Simply say, God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. That eternal life that you receive through faith, it guarantees you that you will one day experience the fulfillment of all that God has promised in Isaiah 9 to do through Jesus. You will be with Jesus when he is crowned King of Kings. You will be with Jesus when he finally makes the world right. You will be with Jesus when he ushers in unending peace and righteousness around the entire planet. You will be with Jesus forever if you simply believe. Now for those of us who have believed, Mary's example as we look at her hope tonight, it's a reminder to us that Christmas for us is a time of hope. It's a time to fix our hope on Christ. Now, Christmas morning is going to dawn tomorrow, and it is not going to fulfill all of your hopes and dreams. Maybe it did when all you hoped for was a G.I. Joe or an Easy Bake Oven, but can't do it anymore now that you're an adult. But that's okay. Because for us who are believers, our hope is not in Christmas, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in what Christ will do when he comes back and fulfills all of this, when he makes the world right and we're there with him. That's the hope that sustained Mary through her pain and stress, her suffering, her loneliness. That's the hope that can sustain you this Christmas season in the midst of your disappointment and pain, suffering and loneliness. You can have hope that Christ is coming back and when he does, he will make all things right and you will be part of it. That is the hope we celebrate on Christmas. Let's go to the Lord and thank him for the hope we have in his son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. 
Thank you that you have not abandoned us to our sin. You have not abandoned us to the evil that we perpetuate on this planet. But in love, you have sent your son, your only son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you sent him in humility to be our savior, to die as as payment for our sins. Thank you that you raised him from the dead, defeating sin and death and Satan on our behalf. And Father, right now we lift up anyone in this room who has not yet believed that news, who has not yet received the free gift of eternal life through faith. Please, Lord, let tonight, let this Christmas Eve be the moment of their salvation. Please open their eyes to see the beauty of the free gift of eternal life. And for all of us who have received eternal life through faith in Jesus, we pray that tonight, Lord, please fix our eyes on him. Please help us to put our hope fully in Jesus, not in the things of this world, not in the possessions that we get on Christmas. Let our hope be completely in Christ. We pray, Father, that we would be grateful for him. We pray that we would look forward to the day when he comes back for us. Thank you that in him we have unconquerable hope. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.